Immediately a man was nailed to the cross, he lost all his rights. And if you ever get nailed to the cross, you'll lose all yours too. We love ourselves so much. And who are, we, who are we talking about now? Unbelievers? No. So-called believers who have never understood what it is to take up the cross and put self to death. See, because in the last days there's going to be very little preaching about the cross and death to self-life. And so, when there's no preaching against death on death to self, self is going to flourish in the lives of many Christians. They won't even know that you cannot follow Jesus if you love yourself. I don't ask people if they're saved anymore. Who isn't saved? From the White House to the Jailhouse. <clears throat> I'm asking you, is Christ, does Christ live in you? Christianity is the only religion in the world where a man's God comes and lives inside of him. Thanks be to God that when I finally acknowledge that I can't do this, it's not possible for me to live the Christian life on my own. I, I'm not called to chart my own course. I'm not called to create my own destiny and ask God to bless it. I'm called to follow Him. I'm called to give up the rights to my life and walk with a holy Savior. I'm called to let His mind be formed in me. His life become my life. His ways become my ways. His purpose become my purpose. His plan become my plan. And then the power of God will come upon me. Let the power of God come on me, and then I can put me behind me. Tom Richardson, Removing Confusion Podcast again. Here at the first of the year, it is January the 5th, 2023. Today, I just want to talk about some things. I'm right off the top of my head. Usually save this for my birthday because that's when I get wound up which is next week, so send me cards. I'm kidding. Uh, I have heard so many times, and it it disturbs me from well-taught supposed theologians and preachers that say things that are just absolutely not even in the Bible. You can't even, you know, there, there there are things I believe that Bible biblical tenets that we can call them or precepts and things like that that we can pick out you know when i say pick out you know like when you take that pick with your hair and you pick your hair out you know, you kind of tease it out of there uh but they just throw stuff out there it doesn't make any sense because it isn't there and we know it isn't and we're going to talk about one of those today first off let's just you know today's news the big news of today is democracy is in action democracy is in action uh the house of representatives is fighting over who's going to be the speaker of the house 
there's a standout of, you know, 20 people the last time I looked. I haven't looked at the news. It's about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, one thirty right here in my time, Eastern Standard Time on January 5th. And as, as of the last time I looked, they still hadn't figured out who they want, but they figured out uh, – through a, a, a small majority or a small minority, I'm sorry, of people enough to stop a California Republican slash, you know, snake in the grass, Kevin McCarthy from becoming Speaker of the House. This is how democracy works, folks. But yet you'll hear people. There's a guy running around uh, that's a Texas Republican, supposed. Uh, I don't know what's wrong with this guy. He's a Navy, former Navy SEAL, so he says. I'd like to do a background check on him. Uh, that's his name's Crenshaw, who says you're a terror. They're they're terrorists. They're holding us hostage. Terrorists? Oh, because democracy is something you throw around, Dan. When you think it behooves you to stand up, but when somebody else stands up for what they believe in, oh, they're terrorists. That's not democracy. They're, they're, they're stopping democracy. And you can add a few more people to the list from what I understand. I cannot stand, first of all, Sean Hannity from Fox News. He's a fake. He's a shill. He's a sham. He'll say one thing and then stab that guy in the back in the, in the chance he gets. He's a... He, he, to me, he's a coward. But he's, he's he, he, I don't know. I can't stand to watch the guy. Just telling you straight up. He, uh, he had uh, Lauren Boebert, who's one of, he's, she's a, a representative from Colorado. She's one of these 20 that are standing up for what they believe in. They don't want Kevin McCarthy. So Shan, Shan, Sham Hannity, as my buddy Mike calls him, had her on his show. He sent me a clip of it. And he wouldn't even, he kept interrupting her, cutting her off, wouldn't let her speak. She's smart, though. She's one of the good ones, folks. Lauren Bobert out of Colorado, very uh, intelligent lady. And she stood her ground. I mean, you're not going to make her back down. She's tough. And we need that. And, and evidently, there's only a handful. Chip Roy from Texas is another one. It's like, you know, you find something wrong with him other than he's willing to say what needs being said. Jim Jordan out of Ohio. Uh, these people and, and Matt Gates out of Florida, these people need to be applauded. They are showing us what democracy really is. And it's ugly a lot of times. It's what the old uh, adage that people would say is you don't want to know how they make sausage, you know, because it's kind of gross. But democracy is the same thing you don't really want to see how it works it just does in the end it does it, it's 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 a mess and somebody has to come in and mop it up later blood and guts all over the floor you know so what do you what do you get you get what we see you know it's 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 the way it's supposed to work it's it's been 250 years or so or whatever close enough and these people need to understand that this you know you don't always get your way you don't always get your guy or girl gal uh, lady whatever <clears throat> anyway that's that i don't want to talk about that too much because it's it's just it gets me going because I, I i really you know i hate 
when people come off with this, you know, things aren't going their way, so it's not going to, what, what's wrong with these people? These people are actually doing what their constituents back home have decided for them to do, and that is to hold the House accountable. Now, let's get off that and get into the Bible, because that's where I, that's where my, that's in my lane. I'm not a, I'm not much of a politician. I have folks that keep me abreast, and and I mean, I know what's going on and and all that. But it's it's uh, to me, we are living in a time when it means a lot to draw closer to your Bible and draw closer to Him who has provided with a capital H, God and Jesus. Uh, draw closer to them they provided us with this wonderful book that we read and misquote often now you know me if i misquote it i'm I'm not misquoting it. i'm just uh paraphrasing and i try to keep that paraphrase very close to what the bible actually says now here's the thing how many times have you sat there maybe you've even said it because you've heard it and you've heard it from pulpits over the years and from guys even on the TV that don't, you know, they, they just throw things out. It's good to have a cliche. It's good to have a, a, a catchphrase, whatever. They'll say things like, you won't get, uh, God won't give you more than you can handle. There, that's the phrase. God won't give you more than you can handle. Now, find me that. When you get a chance now, you know what I use is blueletterbible.org. Very good online Bible reference uh, site. You have the lexicons. I've told you before, you know, you got, you can, you can do, uh, it's called the treasury of scriptural knowledge. That's why <laughs> if you hear me rattling stuff off, I know the Bible fairly well. Uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not a theologian, but I, I, I like it. I study it. I love it. And I use the tools at hand to bring you the best knowledge of, of what there is available. Now, here's the thing. I, I, that's, that's like a, that's like a, a promo for blueletterbible.org because it's blb.org. I don't get paid by them. They are not a sponsor. Actually, I should be paying them. And I will. Anyway, here's the thing. I said that, so now I have to do it. Here's the thing. You keep hearing these guys. I don't care who they are. They say it. You won't get more than you can handle. God won't let you take on more than you can handle. God won't let more than you can handle fall on your lap, blah, blah, blah. And there's no, you can't find, like I say, you go in there and type that in. God won't give me more than I can handle, you know. You, you won't find it. You'll find this if you dig deep enough. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Uh, King James. Okay? King James. And maybe I'll read you from another version so it makes it even easier to understand. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer, in this case suffer means allow, will not allow you to be tempted above what ye are able. 
but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Now that sounds like, well, maybe it's uh, to bear it, right? To bear temptation, to, you know, temptation it, it, in this life is very difficult to overcome because it usually hits you right there where you, you know, the thing that you're, your your uh, your weak spot, right? Whether it be online pornography, that's that's a a, a a big problem in the modern church. Or maybe it's you know ah you know I have a drink once in a while, and then I have a few more, and then yeah it's New Year's so I had a few more and a few more and a few more or smoking cigarettes, or smoking dope, whatever. You know, you can go on with temptations. Maybe you're tempted to eat more than you should. But God is always giving us a way out of it. He makes a way to escape that you'll be able to bear it. You know what? Let's just do this before we get into the depth of this, because there it is. It is a deep, is a deep well that we're going into. I like to throw some new things at you. I'm not afraid to use other versions. There's people that get all wound up about it. Let's look at the English Standard Version, which is very close, almost to the King James. It, it just takes out some of the these and thous. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to men or man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may may be able to endure it. That's another, that's a nice way to put it. New American Standard Version 1995 No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure. It's about the same as the other one. But, you know, sometimes when we read, and I love the King James, you know that. I've I've said that many, 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 many times, that uh, it is my go-to it uh, it stood the test of time. I have people. Oh, you're an you're an onlyist. I'm not an only anything. I'm a Jesus only guy. I'm sorry. I had to get, get a drink of water. So let's look at this. Where does it say that you won't be tempted? He won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to to endure. God knows what you can endure. Usually our temptations, we break weak, as they, we used to say in the Army. Uh, I think that's where that started with me or was when I was in prison. Is It would say, guys would say, ah, you're going to break weak, you know, and that meant, you know, you, you just weren't being, you couldn't handle it. You, you were going to fall apart. And, you know, that's the thing is, uh, temptations when they come, they're, they're tough because they're, they're, you know, the devil has the ability 
And I believe that God will allow him to tempt you to a certain degree. God will never tempt you with something that is ungodly. Says that in the Bible too, doesn't it? He doesn't. He's he doesn't do evil, but he has the devil, and the God, God the devil is God's devil, so he can't go beyond. He can't even go beyond what you can handle because God won't allow it. You're you are a saved person, a person who knows Jesus. You are a child of God, and He's not going to allow His child to be crushed completely in this temptation racket. Now, to say that you won't be given more than you can handle, that means in life there, there's not going to be anything fall on you that, that you can't handle. That's untrue. That is so untrue. Uh, Matthew twenty four twenty one. For then shall be a great tribulation such as what was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should, no, there should be no flesh saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened or cut off. Now listen to me, if you want to. We know about Job, don't we? Job was a righteous man. This is a good example because we know, we know what happened to Job. We know that the devil was before God, and he, or not before him in time, but before him as in standing in his presence, and said, hey, you know, there, yeah, God says, have you considered my servant Job? He's a righteous man devil says yeah it's because you know you you put a hedge around him he's he's not gonna he's not gonna turn on you but you give me some time with him and he will turn on you so god allowed him to go to a certain degree he killed all of his kids he took all of his sheep lost all his camels everything he lost everything he he then still didn't turn and the devil says you let me hit him and we'll see what happens he went after him he went after him. What happened? Job stuck his ground. He had three friends that came along and messed with him for a period of time. I think they sat there for seven days and didn't even talk. But this poor guy has got boils from head to toe, and he's scraping his skin with, with pottery, broken bits of pottery. He's in a mess, oozing, you know, just nasty. He didn't turn on God. He never did. He got to the point where he questioned God at the end, and God came back and kind of straightened him out. And then he restored him. God restored him. That's the, that's the story in a nutshell. If you've started your Bible reading, that is chronological Bible reading if you read Job first. But Job isn't as, it isn't, I've heard, I've heard preachers say some stupid things over the years. One guy said, yeah, you know, Job, the first part's interesting, the 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 last part's interesting, the last couple chapters, but in between it's got to dry. It's not. It's not. You have to realize what's going on in this thing and and the things that they say back and forth between each other. The Job Job and his buddies, and even sometimes his buddies say some things that are worthy of notice. 
Job chapter 12, I did a message on that one time before, and it shows the power of God because that's what they talk about, something that we've lost so much track of in our common day because everything's pretty easy for us here in the United States or in parts of Europe, although it is kind of crushing in on them a little bit. They're starting to feel the, 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 the weight of their socialist values. Canada is definitely feeling the serious weight of their socialist values. Down here in the United States, it's happening too. We've got an idiot in charge with socialist communist values. And when that happens, the people suffer. There's never been a, a socialist experience or experiment that really worked. It ends up falling flat. Sometimes it takes a while. Back to the Bible. We have to realize that we are, it's, the temptations are always going to come as well. But not only that, there's going to be tribulation. There's going to be persecution. And if you do a, a, a brief study on that, you can do that the same place I'm doing everything else that I do, blueletterbible.org. It sounds like I get paid by them, but I do not. If you type in the word persecution, it's, it's predominantly a New Testament thing. Now, Lamentations 5.5 5 says, Our necks are under persecution. We labor and have no rest. Now, I brought up persecution and tribulation because they kind of match up with the whole temptation thing. But, they, you know, temptation's different in the fact that it doesn't always bring persecution to you. There are people who will tell you you won't feel persecution. God won't allow it, but he, that's a lie. Matthew thirteen twenty one, he says... Uh, he hath no root in himself, but dureth or endureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word by and by, he is offended. And he's talking about someone who knows the truth. That's Matthew thirteen twenty one. That's going to be in the parables of the uh, sower and the seed and uh, the others that are there, they all kind of correlate together. But here, here you have a guy who, who had some, they, they threw the seed and it didn't really take very deep root. You know, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. You hear that a lot. And then you see him reach for the beer. Or, and you know what? If you drink a beer here and there, it's not condemning, but it's just not good witnessing. Or, you know, you hear a flurry of curse words come out of them. And, you know, when they get questioned on those kind of things, well, God knows my heart. Yes, he does. <laughs> He's the only one that really knows the depth of our hearts. I'm not here to judge anybody. I'm just using examples. But here you have a man. Let's, let's just say man in, in the general sense. He has no root, and he no really doesn't. The, the seed was planted or dropped on him, but it fell on stony ground for perhaps. And, you know, he might stick in there, the, or the dirt just wasn't deep enough, or the, the, the uh, 
the depth of his ability or his wanting to actually uh, grow. See, that, that you ever notice that these are terms that get used, growing in Christ. And, you know, he's just, he just has no, he has no depth in this. So what happens? When, when a little bit of hardship comes along, they run away. Ephesians 4.15 But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all ways, or I'm sorry, in all things, which is the head, even Christ. But grow in grace, Second Peter 3.16. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Why did I bring that up? Because I talked about growing. This parable of the seeds and the sower and, and on, it's talking about a growth in the faith, a growth in Jesus, a, a taking up and learning, a taking up and, and wanting to be closer to the one that saved you. Paul wrote in 835, Romans 835, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, we don't allow anything to separate us. But if you don't have the depth, if you haven't studied your word, your Bible, if you haven't taken the time, if all you get is that pew on Sunday morning where you hear somebody keep telling you things like, well, you won't be given more than you can handle. I knew a guy that actually said Job was a one-off. It doesn't happen anymore. That's it. But yet you have Paul who said, you know, I was beaten. I was shipwrecked. Here's a, he wrote to uh, Timothy, I'm sorry. He wrote Timothy 2, 2 Timothy 3.12. Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall what? Suffer persecution. That's worth thinking about, isn't it? I already said, what, what, did, what did Paul go through? Here's a man, yes, he, he, he started out pretty rough, right? Started out a persecutor until God got a hold of him until Jesus showed up in his face because he was doing this thing. Jesus, what did Jesus say to him back there in Acts, saying about chapter 8? He says, Paul or Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He didn't say, why are you persecuting my church and killing my children, my, those of us that are that my followers or whatever. He said, why do you persecute me? Because the body of Christ is the church, the real church. Those of you that truly believe, 
those of you that want to live godly in Christ Jesus. They are the body of Christ. They're the ones that don't run away when things get a little bit tough. They're the ones that if it's cold, they're going to they're going to put up with it and make their way to the church door. They're the ones that are going to pick up the Bible when they're at home and read it. They're the ones that are going to search out what they can and find the good teachers on the internet because it is a place to get. You know, you can use these tools. Don't go to the tools that are on the TV because most of them are not worth listening to. Paul was shipwrecked. Paul was beaten. Paul was nearly killed. And at one, in one place, it actually says, you know, that uh, he, he knew a man. And he never said it was him that went to the third heaven. You get to the third heaven pretty much by being dead. I've heard people say they've been to the throne room of Jesus. Whatever, that's okay. You can say what you want. You can say you've had visitations from the Lord. That's fine. I don't care. I can't I can't disprove it. And that's all there is to it. I believe people do have some pretty intense uh, encounters with Jesus. And I, I pray that I could have a couple of those myself because we can all gain something. Psalm 37, one of my favorite psalms. Psalm 37 and verse 12. The wicked plotteth against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him for he seeth that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and slay such as uh, be of upright conversation or manner of living. Their swords shall enter into their own heart and their bows shall be broken. That is the power of God. You are going to have people that are wicked that we have them now it uh a lady was arrested standing i believe across the street this happened in in, in the uk london i believe standing across the street peacefully praying in her own mind in her own head to the lord against an abortion center the police came up they said what are you doing she said, i'm just standing here what are you doing? She said, I'm praying. Are you, we didn't hear you doing it out loud. She said, no, I'm, I'm guessing you'd say I'm praying in my head or whatever. They arrested her and took her to jail. How does that happen in a society that's supposed to be free? It's because the wicked have bent their bow against us. The wicked have drawn out their sword against us. Now, it may not be an actual sword. Then again, if you're dealing with a Muslim down the road, it very well may be. A scimitar is what the Bible, I think, uses. It's a, a curved sword of sorts. But they, they have 
done this over and over again. They've gotten away with it over and over again. We need to stick to the Bible. Now, people will say, well, you know, we can go too far with that. Second, uh, what is this? Titus, sorry, Titus. Titus, chapter 2. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Look at what that says. Don't let it look. These guys that say, you know, oh, we can't be righteous. We can't be. We only have the righteousness of Jesus. That is true. I have no righteous in myself, righteousness in myself, in my flesh. But you do in Christ. And to exude that out of yourself to others, we were taught and given the grace of God, the mercy of God, he gave us salvation. It's a gift. And the teaching that goes with that, Paul writes to Titus and tells him, we are deny, we are to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, the things that drag you in, the things that try to take you down, the things that want you to, to you know, Watch that movie that you shouldn't watch. And, you know, I, I can fall for that, too. Even the TV shows. I mean, if you can skip over the commercials these days, you're probably doing yourself a favor as well. But, you know, there's so much garbage that's being poured into the scripts of these TV shows. Homosexuals. You know, the gender fluidity. Now, we love these people. We have to. That's what God calls us to do. But we definitely do not like what they're doing. We know that it's an abomination to God. But he says to us, we are to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, which is with your right mind, righteously keeping yourself in the right, not lying, not cheating, stealing, and godly in this present world. Because the one that you'll hear this verse all the time, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I'll get that going, and then let's have an altar call. Because that's what it's all about. That's the rapture of the church. That's what they'll tell you, but it doesn't say. Because, again, you, they, 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 you mix signals come in. And, you know, uh, I've talked about my ideas about the pre-tribulation rapture and and whatnot and look believe what you want just believe in jesus that's the bottom line 
and keep your keep your mind open to the fact that this thing right here tells you about the appearing. Now they'll tell you this the rapture is a secret. Nobody's gonna know the day or the hour, which that is true, I would imagine. Nobody will know the day or the hour. It'll happen and it'll be, you know, he's only coming in clouds, so he won't touch down. There will be those left behind. They won't know what happened. Trust me. I believe they'll know exactly what happened. <clears throat> Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. I'm going to tell you right now, if you try to live godly, if you try to live with some level of purity, if you try to live with that, that even a dash of righteousness, because you're not going to be able to do it on your own again. I can only get that from, from having the, the Lord Jesus Christ guide you. You walk with him. Like the song says the, uh, in the garden, I walk with him and I talk with him. Or he walked with me and he talked with me. But, you know, we need to break ourselves of this busyness. There's a lot of church busyness that goes on as well. And I'm not saying business, busyness. Where the things that we get ourselves into really aren't necessary. Or they, haven't, they have no real effect anymore. You know, if you're active in your church, that's a great thing. You're active for a reason. Again, good works. Bible talks about good works, doesn't it? Just did. We just did in that verse that I read you from Titus. He talks about. I'll reread that. Zealous in verse number uh, Titus two and fourteen. The last last words in that verse are, "Well, we're a peculiar people. He's purified unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works." Now, there, what are good works? Good works are winning souls. Good works are done because you are saved, not to you know gather more for your salvation. Your salvation's already covered by the blood of Christ. Nothing else can be added to or taken away. So you're zealous of good works. You want to do things. You have this drive within you. Oh, Jesus, Matthew chapter 4, he gets baptized, John the Baptist. And he was not a Baptist. He was Jewish, by the way. But John baptizes Jesus. And then, you know, the, the dove comes down or what appears to be a dove comes down and rests upon him, and the, the voice of God says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He walks out of the Jordan, and it says he was compelled 
basically in, in good English. He, the spirit drove him into the desert, into the wilderness, where he stayed for 40 days and 40 nights, no food, no nothing. He was tempted by, the, by Satan in every possible way. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the whole nine yards. Without caving to any of it, Jesus did not break down. He held his ground. And there would be people that say, well, he's just, he's, he's God. Of course he did. You know, and of course, when you're reading it, you're not even considering that he will because you know his position. You know that he is, yes, he is God. He's the God man at that point. He's a hundred percent man, a hundred percent God. The devil though, still is going after that man part, that human part, trying to get Jesus to break. And he didn't. He also expects us to do as much as we can. There's always that way out. The best way out is to know some scriptures. The best way out for us is to be able to say, it is written, thou shalt not tempt a child of the king. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but out of every word that comes forth from the father. We need to have that ability because Satan will come after you. He'll find your weak spot, and he will dig in and dig in and dig in and dig in till he can push you aside, and you're, you're worth nothing at that point to the faith. You, you, you have not the ability to talk to someone else. When you cave to a temptation like a lot of uh, televangelists did, and other guys do, not all of them were TV preachers that have fallen for the uh, lusts of this common, this world. Satan saw them, saw their weaknesses, and went right for them. These guys were making millions of dollars. Now, they um, they did some, the ones, you know, they, they were trying at least to do godly things in the beginning and then they got off track and started going down to like i'm making more money and more money and more money i'm going to build this big place and i'm going to do this great thing and 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 you know satan saw that hey you got too busy you're too busy you're not studying the word like you used to you're not getting deep into these things and finding out that god's actually calling you to be pure God's calling you to have a, 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 a modicum of righteousness. God's calling you to be a peculiar people. No, they got, they got to where they could hang out with presidents and senators and congressmen and, and queens and kings and popes and everything else. They, they elevated themselves to a point where they could, they could do these wonderful things and, and people, I'll get more notoriety. I'll, be, I'll become more public. People will send money. And they did. And then in the background, what was going on? They were taking advantage of women. They were uh, 
doing things that are not even seemly to talk of because they had the money. They had bodyguards and Cadillacs and Continentals, big houses. Some of them still do. Some people have signs, you know, I mean, big, big to do, you know, brick and mortar and gold and whatever else, big signs in front of their uh, ministries, as you they call them. And those signs cost as much as a common man's house or more. Wouldn't that money done well better to go overseas to some missionary who's living in a grass hut? Whose, you know, biggest concern is, is he going to live through another day? I challenge you to look into that as well. Look into people like Nate Saint. And Jim Elliott. The Lord just kind of dropped that in my mind when I started talking about missionaries. They're no longer with us. Uh, I just read, I think one of the one guy, his wife passed away not too long ago. There's a movie and a book, both, called, um, oh, goodness gracious, I'm going to mess that up. But it, it has something to do with the spear. These guys died trying to reach a group of natives, yeah, I think it was in the Congo or something, or the Amazon, they died. They were killed. Killed for their faith. But yet, in their death, they dropped enough seeds on these people of the gospel that those people did get saved. And the ones that killed him, them, ended up being taken in by the family. That's amazing. That's amazing. These are the kind of things. But yet now, you know, you got your your big shot TV guys. They don't have a podcast with a handful of folks listening to them. They've got huge so-called ministries. They've got huge houses and cars. Raking in the dough, writing books, probably ghost writers, but they're writing books and they're 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 just making it, man. They're 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 in the place where they always wanted to be. They're they came up hard scrabble, they say, but now they're rich. And you know, well, let's let's spend money on a new building. You know, there's churches spend more money on the building. There's that old, uh, it's a, not really a joke; it's a truth of a church that had it there on their bulletin you know well we finally raised enough money you know we raised you know eighty five thousand dollars now we can get new carpet and put in a the fountain out front to make the church look nicer and blah 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 whatever paint the walls and then flip the page and what's it say we sent five hundred dollars to our missionaries the people that are doing the work. The people, again, sitting on a, you know, on, on a dirt floor somewhere maybe, in a grass hut, in the middle of a, of a forest, where they worry about things like dysentery and, and uh, whatever else kind of diseases that can come up and get them. 
and they get this little pittance over here, but yet the, the building, which isn't going to do a thing, the building is just a building, but oh, we're going to make it look big and we're going to, we're going to, it'll drag people in here when they see the fountain out front, when they see the big sign that says, welcome in sinners. The flashing this and that. We got, we got rid of the pews and put in chairs and put in new windows and painted the walls and new carpet on the floor. What about your missionaries? What about taking that money and maybe going two counties over where there's not one of your denominations there and planting a new church? Oh, well, we got that covered. We'll just have satellites. You know, we'll, we'll put up the screens, you know. Because our preacher, he's awesome. We're going to use him. Now, you know, I'm just using generalities, folks. That's the state of modern-day Western Christianity. We spend more time and more effort and more money on stuff that one day God's going to say, why did you do that? Now, we can take that down to a personal level. You know, why did I buy this? Why did I buy that? But when you are investing into what is thought to be a godly organization, a, a ministry, and they spend their money it's seemingly on the junk of the world. Really got to think about what we're doing. There's that movie uh, that was out here a few years ago. It's a pretty good one, World War II epic called hacksaw ridge where this guy was a he was a what was he a seventh day adventist and went to war as a um, non-combatant conscientious objector and he became a, a medic and you know that big battle and you know it's a cliff these guys are up on and, and i'm not trying to give the movie away but he kept saying just one more just one more just one more just one more. He was grabbing these guys, bat- patching them up, giving them a shot if he had morphine to do it, dragging them over, and they would put them in a basket or, and, and lower them down the cliff where they could take them to the mash unit and saved lives, even the enemy. He didn't care. He was going to save lives no matter what. Just one more. Can we say that? There's people out there every day. I forget. I had, I, had to, I had the numbers written. I think it's written in one of my other Bibles of uh, an average of how many people die per minute in the world and go to hell. Not everybody, of course, but a bulk of them. We know that from Scripture as well. Straight to gate. And few there be that find it. Few. All right, we got 8 billion people on the planet. If only a billion, that's only one-eighth. That's a few. God wants no one. I don't care what the Calvinist guy is saying. I'll probably make some of them upset there. If they listen, most of them don't. I don't think I got that many people listening to me. I don't want to worry about who gets mad. I just say what. What's in the Bible? I say what, what's in my heart. 
And I know what God says. He, 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 he doesn't want anyone to perish, but to all come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Just one more. Just one more. Not one more big sign with nice, you know, neon. What, what's that stuff nowadays? That, you know, it's like a, it keeps running across and, you know, welcome to the, you know, Pentecostal, best Baptist, Metha, whatever, temple. And then, you know, our times for services and, you know, we're going to have a cookout today and all that. You know, they spend, they've spent thousands and thousands, probably on the 10,000 bucks, I'll say, on, one, on a sign like that. Then you have to run the electricity to it for it to, to gleam and glow and, and the neon or whatever to go, the LEDs, I guess that's what is going by. 10,000 bucks a day. Just say 10,000 on that sign alone. What would that have done to the guy sitting in that grass thatch, or 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 some you know World War Two style uh, barrack, sitting in you know off off in the in the in, in the wilderness somewhere in the in the jungle? What could he have done if we could have sent a thousand bucks to ten missionaries each? They would have used it to feed people, buy Bibles in their languages, whatever it takes to further the gospel deeper into that jungle, taking their lives in their hands, zealous for good works. Half of us won't even talk to our neighbor about Christ or invite them to church. I don't want to bother them. They, they, they're busy. They, they, you know, this and that and the other. There's always an excuse. Preaching to myself as well. We can always do a little bit more. The, the another, another example was uh, Schindler's List. Uh, it's pretty much a secular all the way kind of movie. But at the end, he broke down. The Jews loved him. They loved Schindler. He, he, he was a Nazi. But he saw what he could do to get those people and put them to gainful employment in his factories or whatever and save them from death in the concentration camps. At the end, what did he say? I could have I sold this car and bought a few more because he had to pay for these people. I could have sold this watch and bought another three or four. And it broke him. See that just what what can we do to get just one more? There's the old uh, Sunday school story of the kid throwing starfish out into the sea and his dad says, What are you doing, kid? He said, I'm trying to save them because if they stay here they're gonna die. They're, they're washing up, and they're stuck there, and he's throwing them back. And he says, you're never going to save There's hundreds of them, you know. You're never going to save them all. He says, yeah, but this one here, whew, I saved him just one more. 
that is not how I thought I would end today. I really didn't. I was, I was on another track. But we're talking about walking that path, you know. We're talking about uh, trying to understand the, this Bible that we have laying before us and, and knowing that, you know, not everything that you hear from the pulpit in your church or any other church, are they, are they quoting it correctly? Because this one specifically, when they say God won't give you more than you can handle, they don't give you a verse. I've never heard a preacher yet throw a verse with it. But I'm giving it to you today, folks. I'm giving it to you because I'm not going to throw out platitudes and happy jack stuff. You're going to get from me what the Bible says. Now, Paul, and I'm going to wrap up here because I did get a little bit off there. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he, he talks about, you know, the things that happened in the past and how we're to avoid those mistakes. 1 Corinthians 10.1, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant. He said, I want you to be stupid. I don't want you to be ignorant. That's even worse. How that all our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea and were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. He's talking about coming out of Egypt. They all ate the same spiritual meat. They all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual, capital R, rock, that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in wickedness. Here's the verse to to hang your hat on. Now, these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things. 1 Corinthians 10.6 as they also lusted, that we shouldn't be idolaters. For it is written, the people that sat down to eat and they drink and they rose up to play. They, they decided to have an orgy around two golden cows. And they did all the things that he talks about in verse 8, they did not commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day. Listen to this, because you don't hear this very often. Only when somebody's trying to make a big point. I am. They fell in one day. They died. God took them off the planet. 23,000 souls because of what they did in the eyes of God, right there in his face. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Serpents came out and started biting them. But all of these things happened unto them for examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Now here you go. The Bible is a book that is so spiritual 
and so real. And it tells us to live lives that reflect Christ. Not to reflect it and make me say, oh, look at me, I'm like Jesus. No. It's to reflect Christ to others who are lost or to others that are in Christ and struggling. That's what the Bible is really all about. It's an example. All the things that happened back in the Old Testament that some guys don't even touch because, A, they don't, they don't have the ability to understand it, and, B, they, oh, we're a New Testament church. We're not under the law and all that. We're not under the law, no. But the things are still there. Paul's telling the Corinthians, those things are still there for examples. There are no temptations that taken you, but such as is common to man, that God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation, also make a way for you to get out, to escape, that you might be able to bear it. He's given you strength. He's given you the ability to say no. He's given you, know, when, when you know, I don't care what it is, what kind of temptation it is, you can say no. I ain't going to do it. Not going to fall for it. Don't sit there and try to say God won't give you more than you can handle. He's given you, in this case, temptations are going to come after you. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can handle, but he'll always give you a way out. I hope I made some sense. We are constantly going to be tested. We're going to be tempted. All we can do is say, no, I'm not going to fall for the temptation again. Because when you do, it drags you down. Sin's only good. And it's not never good. Let me rephrase. Sin's only fun for a season. And then comes the guilt. Because that's Satan's second punch. The first one is the temptation. The second one is the guilt. Oh, look what you did. You ain't even saved. You don't know Christ or you'd have never done that. You'd have never said that. I got you. Maybe you got me for a minute. But I have a faithful God who will always stand up for me. Amen. Till the next time, Tom Richardson. Removing confusion. With a heavenly home My holy father Well he's made me his own